Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This year, love looks a little different. We're still gathering. We're just doing it virtually. And we're still connecting. We're just doing it safely. So whether it's lighting candles over FaceTime, family dinner through Zoom, or opening gifts virtually, traditions can keep us close, even when we can't be together. Stay safe. Stay connected. Think big and plan small this holiday season. Let's save lives, Columbus. On today's episode of Hoop Dreams, we are live streaming for the first time. Steve and myself are breaking down the Last Dance episodes 7 and 8. Uh, we're getting into all the nitty-gritty and details of those two episodes, um, from Michael Jordan's father passing away uh, to his retirement and coming back for the first time, his baseball days, and then that 72-10, and 10, 96 Chicago Bulls team. We even get into a pretty heated debate about LeBron James and Michael Jordan, so you guys aren't going to want to miss that. I um, want to thank everybody who tuned into the live stream. Um, it was awesome getting your interaction and everything like that and really helps uh, with the podcast. Uh, going forward, we're going to do more live streams, so um, be on the lookout for that. Um, but for now, we're going to get into this intro music and get this thing started. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is Mark Belleville here. This is episode of 11 of Hoop Dreams. I'm here with my uh, co-host, Steve Lewis. Um, we are doing our first live stream of the podcast. Um, we're going to be talking episodes uh, seven and eight of The Last Dance. Um, but before that, I just want to uh, take a quick second here to thank um, Unwrap Sports um, and to thank uh, Stadium Scene. Um, who are uh, two brands that picked up the uh, uh, sports or two sports networks that pick up the podcast. Um, and they're helping distribute it and, and getting it more exposure. So just wanted to shout out those guys and say thank you to those guys uh, first and foremost. Um, so to start out, I just want to talk about my two biggest takeaways uh, from this episode. Um, well, episode seven and eight. Uh, number one being uh, for me, um, and I didn't, I didn't know this, but just the situation that the Bulls were in in 94 in the playoffs uh, when Scottie Pippen refused to go into the game, I thought that was a huge thing that nobody's ever talked about. I feel that's like something we should know about Scottie Pippen and it's never brought up. Um, and then the uh, the second thing, uh, my biggest takeaway is just how big of a, uh, I mean, we all know how big of a competitor Jordan was, um, but I don't think we knew how 
big it actually was. Um, and for him to get upset at the end of, like we saw at the end of episode seven, for people the way they, you know, maybe called him a tyrant or whatever. Yeah, I see you. He said he's crying and stuff like that. But um, I just think that's, you know, a big takeaway from this episode. Well, what about you, Steve? What do you think? Well, I mean, I do. We will talk about the Pippin thing because um, my biggest thing with the Pippin thing is not only does he not only have another moment where you're like, Scotty, you're supposed to be the leader of this team. But he doesn't apologize for it later on. He basically says, if I could go back in time, I would do it all again. So it's just kind of like another indictment on his character. And I think that has more to do with... It took Bill Cartwright coming in this locker room and tears for him to even think think he did a bad thing. Well, I just think that's where he was at the time with the organization and how he felt the organization had treated him. And not only that, we're talking about a guy that is a rookie and Tony Kukoc that's getting the ball that's making more money than him in that season too. So I think all that stuff just kind of show you a little bit more of a mental midget than people really realized. Um, And also that going dating back to his baseball days that Terry Francona really believed, which was his manager at the time that if he did get three, three full seasons of baseball that he would eventually been a major leaguer. So, I mean, that's pretty astonishing itself because somebody that played a lot of baseball and loves to watch baseball. I still believe, that hitting a baseball is still the hardest thing in sports that you have to do. Oh yeah. Especially when you haven't played it since you were a kid. And we'll get into Jordan baseball. Um, but we're going to just going to start this thing off with uh, obviously um, first and foremost, what happened with uh, MJ's father, um, just the untimely uh, death. Uh, he's missing for, uh, you know, I mean the story by now he's missing for three weeks Um and then they finally find his car, uh, all being a window smashed in, license plates taken off of it. Uh, where then a little bit more time goes by, and then the, the fortune they finally find his body in the um, in a river nearby. And you know they came out and they said that it was you know two eighteen the suspects uh, that did it. And I mean they tried so it was Jordan's father. They probably tried to rob him or something like that. Who knows? Nobody was actually there. Um, but then we get into this. You know, Steve, we get into these big conspiracy theories about you know, how his father died and then his gambling activity and, and kind of trying to put the media was trying to put two and two together. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't really any sort of idea of why Michael Jordan's father would be picked out in general to be murdered in the first place. And then that kind of coinciding with a sudden retirement, it kind of seemed very, very weird. And obviously all they had to go on at the time was knowing that he was a big gambler. I mean, we talked about that last week, and that was coming off the season um, where they won the finals, but he that was the first time he really got exposed in uh, the 93 Eastern Conference Finals for going to Atlantic City after game one to get away and then having that sit down with Ahmad Rashad to be able to say, basically, gambling's not a big deal. Like I'm still being able to do what I need to do. And, uh, and I thought that the way that they talked about it where – there's really no evidence to actually prove that he pulled over his car and that these two 18 year olds or whoever they arrested, I'd never actually like looked into the, are these, if they arrested him, are these people still getting charged? Are they still in jail? I, I don't, I don't know. They, they said that there was 18, two 18 year olds that were suspects. There was two 18 year olds mm-hmm. that were suspects. They never announced any names. As, as far as I know, In the documentary, they never announced any names. And I, and I don't think, there's never a they ever case. did. I don't think there was. There's never an unsolved. So it's an unsolved case still. But they have this theory that he got tired, he pulled over, he got robbed, and then he got dumped. I mean, I don't know. It's hard it's, to say that that's the. I mean, that that was the motive though. Like it's it's more likely to say that 
It's Michael Jordan's father. He's probably got some money on him. Just two idiot kids that were just looking to make a quick dollar. They see him. He's an older guy. Um, against two 18-year-old guys, he probably couldn't fend for himself, obviously, and stick up for himself. It's an easy robbery. He's by himself. And if you saw the uh, documentary, it's like in the middle of the woods in North Carolina somewhere. Like, it's probably the easiest robbery that you can do. And then at the end, you're just like, well, we got to dump the body because, you know, if you know, obviously if he's alive, he's going to tell on us. And, I mean, we've seen a, b- a bunch of movies to know that. No, I, I you understand know, you don't, the whole you know what I'm saying? Of, like, disposing of a body. But, I mean, when the conspiracies come out and – I don't think he, sh- while people say that there was really no credibility or n- no information that could have led to them being, yeah, uh, no motive behind Alex it. being able to meet uh, media to be able to jump to things. That's, that's the age that we're in. I mean, that's 90, 94. I mean, that would have been the same story times a hundred million on every website, everybody on oh, yeah, Twitter, making their Twitter own and Instagram and, and know, everything and, right now. That's what it would have been. So I don't know if I entirely blame the news outlets for actually running a story like that, because when you don't have much information to go on and you can only try to tie things that would only make sense, because it's like you said, like it wasn't like the guy was a bad person. And the only thing that he really did have ties to was Michael Jordan. And the only, and the only thing reason why people might want to go after Michael Jordan is because if he did owe a lot of money, maybe they were trying to gain leverage in that situation. Honestly, it's a terrible Maybe. conspiracy. You don't want to pile on to somebody, especially after they lose their father like that. But I don't think the stories, even to this day, because you still have credible figures that come in are, are coming out that are in mafia circles saying, like, don't don't get rid of the stories so fast, because while they want you to move on from it, it's not the craziest thing. But we did get an interview from David Stern, which I was really happy to see, because that's the, really the only Rest guy. Rest in peace. That can, that can be Rest the only real guy that can really put a thing. And honestly, like looking at him, I kind of believed him. He when he said that, like that there was no ties to Michael and his father, and then the retirement and then moving on and whatnot. Yeah, like, I, I kinda, thought I, that the first retirement was like a suspension that he was suspending him, but without actually saying he was suspended. Um, yep. But he seemed pretty, you know, sincere in that interview. Where I kind of believed him as well. I didn't think it was just, you know, he was just making that up or just saying that just. That's what everybody wants to. He's not going to come out and admit, like, yeah, I suspended him all these years later, you know. And he did, and he did have credible sources that did say that when I talked to Michael back in '92, he was pretty steadfast on the fact that he was going to retire, and the only reason why he was sticking around for that past season was because it was a legacy thing. Like, none of those guys, none of those greats before him ever were able to compete for a third straight championship. Never mind win a third straight mm-hmm. championship. So, like being able to climb that mountain and be able to get that on his resume was definitely important. But at the age of 30 and him being able to actually have people that come out and saying like, like, yeah, he thought about this for a long time. Like, you know, and he was worn out by the sport. There was obviously a lot going on that predated that season. That would well, he even said that. he had, he had no challenges left. Right. Yeah. I guess there was somebody close to him who they interviewed who said that, you know, in the summer of 92, the dream team year, he was talking to his closest, uh, his inner circle saying, Hey man, I want to retire and play baseball someday. He was speaking to this earlier before his father even passed. And, you know, they said, when do you want to do that? He's like, he's like, I do it now, but you know, birds never won three in a row. Magic's never won three in a row. Like I got to win three in a row. That was his challenge. And plus he had the dream team that he had already committed to that summer as well. Um, But once he had won that uh, third championship in a row, uh, there was in his eyes, there was nobody else that could challenge him. He was on the top um, and there wasn't anybody that was close to him. And as an athlete, I can kind of get it at that point where you're saying, listen, I still have a lot of life to go. 
I feel like I've done enough in this craft to be able to say that I'm good with it. I made promises. I kept those promises and he wanted to, he wanted to try to conquer another thing. And I, you know, I kind of respected him for that. And, um, that whole I just don't get the only thing that I, I the only thing I, that pisses me off about it is like you say that you have nothing there's no more challenges like Bill Russell won what do how many did they win in a row like the they used to have guys with the Celtics like why not try to win as many championships like you don't see that as a challenge go win you won I, three in a row go win four go win five you know what I mean yeah but he's a different animal when it comes down to it and I think that when he made promises to himself if they were true in the past saying that he was going to do something I think that was definitely conversations that he probably had. I mean, he considered his father his best friend. So if he was talking to random people about possibly retirement, you know that that was probably a big deal to have that conversation with his father, not to mention yeah. that was his, that was his father's favorite sport. He loved seeing Michael play that sport when he was younger. That was something that he honestly wanted his son to end up continuing. If we go back to episode one, the first sport that they actually got him into was baseball. Yep. Um, just because he wanted his sons to be able to play in organized sports, to be able to get good routines, to be able to get it. And that was a white dominated team. So, I mean, he was the first of many. I mean, that, so that's the, how it went. Obviously with everything coinciding at once, it looked real bad, but I mean, if that's the way the story is going to go, that's the way the story is going to go. As from that's, that's as much information we go that in my head though, that's always going to can be a conspiracy. We can sit back, we can watch the documentary. They can have their spin on it. I didn't really leave thinking to myself that, all right, it's a done deal. Like I believe these guys, it is what it is. I did believe Stern. It was nice to see Stern at least be able to get the chance to defend that comment about that suspension for 18 months. But I mean, in everybody else's head in this, in this uh, time, to think that you're at the top of your game and then all of a sudden you just want to call it off after that. Well, it is a little odd. Yeah, I agree with that. And then moving on, we obviously get into his, uh, his, his baseball career. What was it? Double A with the, the Barons single? What was that? Uh, it was double A. It, double had to a. Be, right. it had to be double A because any, first of all, he, he got, he got on this team with four days remaining in spring training. And I think people don't even realize that he never even got a camp. He didn't get anything with that. And they couldn't put him in single A or fall ball because they knew that the media and the amount of fans that were going to want to see him were going to be tens of thousands. So they had to put him in a, a stadium that they knew that they were going to at least be able to hold some sort of stadium capacity. See through and it one. Thanks for that, man. So we got a comment from somebody. He's just, he's letting us know it was uh, it was double A. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, it was double. It was double A. And if you saw the pictures of everything, you had kids sliding under fences just to be able to get a peek of them. So I mean, the media craze for him to be. Oh, the crowds follow him wherever he goes. We knew that. Yeah. I didn't care what he was playing. He could have played ice hockey. You know what I mean? That they were coming. But we'll, before we get into that, we'll just talk about like how the retirement was so crazy that he actually was at Comiskey Park for the ALCS game against the Toronto Blue Jays that year, throwing out the first pitch. Yep. So he's, he's in the box for that game. And all of a sudden the speculation and, and that dude that announced that, that guy was from inside edition. I, I recognize that guy. From a while ago. <laughs> I was like the inside edition guy got the scoop on, on Jordan becoming uh, the retirement first yep. off. Yep. And you saw that as soon as that hit the TV, he had to immediately flee the the, uh, the box because media immediately went, knew he was there. Uh, Kraus got the call because the owner actually owns the Chicago White Sox too, 
So he knew that something was going on. So next thing you knew, you had the the huge retirement. And as you could see, that was like breaking news that uh, people are saying that that now I don't remember. You had everybody at that retirement too. Stern was there. Phil Jackson was there. All the players were there. We were six. People were calling that a moment in time where you knew exactly where you were when that news dropped. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't say that for sure, but I'm assuming that, that that was that magnified at that time. So he retires. He goes and plays baseball, joins up with uh, a, a future major league coach, uh, a two-time World Series champion. Hey, Francona, show him the hat. Show him the that's hat. Why, that's why I got the B hat on today. I had to, I had to rep something because uh, Terry was the great manager of the Boston Red Sox. Um, he was actually Michael Jordan's double-A manager. And if you've seen it, I know we've talked about it. He's had uh, – Jordan's had also another 30 for 30 special. It's called Jordan Riding the Bus, which was all basically about his voyage through um, playing double A and that season and change. And basically they broke into it, and the athlete that you knew as Michael Jordan, the competitor, basically was that to full force. I mean, you had him basically telling everybody that he knew that everyone thought he was a joke, so he knew how much effort he had to put into it. And the way that they opened the season was like, you're not going to believe this, but in Jordan's first month or first 13 games, he actually had a 13-game hit streak. Yep, and, right out the gate. And it was funny that he said that because I thought, and then they were like, well, then that's when they started throwing him curveballs after that, and he fell into a slump. And I immediately thought of the movie Major League. If anybody's watched that out there, Pedro Serrano. Like, Pedro Serrano could hit a baseball <laughs> a bajillion yards, and next thing you knew, they would throw him the breaking ball, and he didn't know Couldn't what hit it. Didn't know what to do yet. with it. <laughs> it wasn't going on. So, yeah. obviously, something like that happened, and that kind of, like, changed it. And then once that changed the way that he sucked all of a sudden, then he had all the naysayers coming at him. He had the, yep. the Sports Illustrated cover saying that he's disgracing the game and whatnot. And as you know – He was Michael pissed Jones, about that. He, was, yeah. he had a good relationship with Sports Illustrated, and they didn't even interview him. They didn't even interview him for that piece, and they yeah, just and came out and said, you know, it's just a sideshow act or whatever it was, just to you know get fans and stuff like that. And he was he didn't do another interview with Sports Illustrated after that. And that's what he said. He said if they had asked me for an interview and we had had a, an honest conversation, and they still felt the need to write that piece, I would have been okay with it. But the fact that they were just insinuating something, it was just kind of garbage. So you kind of turn that around and we talked about how like Jordan takes any sort of slate personally and how he ends up, you know, taking it to another level. We're talking about a guy that was taking batting practice in the morning. He was taking batting practice again before a game. And then after the game, he was taking batting practice again after that yep. to, to a point where he was getting blisters all over his head. So he was putting the full effort forward to be able to do it. He was it putting the work in like he always did. You know, you know, after that's all said and done, he still batted, what, 202 and drove in over 50 RBIs, which Terry said there was some top prospects on the squad that weren't even putting up those numbers. And I know what most people are going to say, like a 200 batting average is poop. But let's put that in perspective. If he gets 25 more hits, 30 more hits that season, he's up over 265. So when they when they talk about like guys that bat 300 in Major League and, and they talk about guys that bat 260, that's realistically the difference when you get 400 bats a year where you can bring your average to. So in your head, you're like, well, that's really not that many more hits. So when Terry puts that point out there, he's basically saying a guy had no experience, jumped right to double A. We see guys like Tim Tebow now still trying to figure it out, doing his whole thing. 
the only other athlete that I knew of back then that actually had a realistic jump before the Deion Sanders of the world was Bo Jackson. And Bo Jackson to me is still the greatest two sport athlete that I've ever seen in my life between football and that. The, the truth was like, if you had given Jordan three or four more full seasons and he kind of mm-hmm. like continued to do what mm-hmm. he needed to do, like he probably could have. And how about, how about the strike too, though? Like when Jordan started kind of getting that itch to come back, I mean, part of the reason was was base Major League Baseball was going on a strike, and they wanted to use replacement players uh, to take over in the major leagues. And Jordan said right away, he's not going to be any part of that. You know, no, and he, he stuck by he stuck by his word, and then he just he quit. He wasn't playing because he didn't want to be part of that. Um, and so then that's when he kind of got that itch to kind of come back, and uh, then we take it over to he starts. You know, he calls up B.J. Armstrong. Um, and he said, what are you doing, BJ? And he's like, I'm about to go to practice. He's like, okay, I'll meet you over there. And then they get into a, you know, shooting contest. And all of a sudden that turns into a one-on-one. Um, and next thing you know, they're playing a full game. Um, and that kind of is what sparked everything and the rumors that, hey, Michael is kind of being serious about making a return here. Yeah, I mean, well, it started, he did like, what, three practices in one week. Yeah. Um. And then, I mean, but he had all his teammates coming out basically saying that, you know, like they probably didn't think he was going to come back. But, I mean, you you saw it like in the clubhouse, like he was still a fan of the team. He had the games on all the time. He actually showed up in attendance. Mm -hmm. I mean, during that offseason that he wasn't there, that Bulls team was still highly competitive. You know, yeah. I, they made it all the way. They won, 50, they won 55 games the year before with Jordan. They won 57. They only won two less games. They won 55 games. You could definitely say that was probably Phil Jackson's best coaching performance ever. Yeah. Um, it kind of gave Scotty that push in the direction of saying, like, he maybe can lead it the gave, team. It gave Scotty that, that extra push. He was now at the forefront. He wasn't in the shadow of Jordan. And he had an MVP caliber season. Uh, but it was also big for guys like uh, Horace Grant. B.J. Armstrong, those guys actually made the all-star team that year. And in previous years, you know, without obviously touches and the offense isn't really running through you. Um, And I think they showed a scene uh, when they were running the triangle offense, just it was like four or five passes before they got like an open layup. Like the ball was just moving. Everything was in sync. And like you said, that was a lot to do with Phil Jackson. And that was probably one of his best coaching years, um, you know, that there was. But what you saw was that when crunch time hit, and we've seen it with even – I want to, like, reference the 2009 Boston Celtics. KG gets hurt, right? And oh, that is, don't, don't remind me about that, man, because that's okay, another championship. That's the I know Celtics that. Belt. But, but that, that's my point, though. Like, so that team was still really good. And they were really good because they knew how to play well together. But that can only get you so far, right? You know, they ran into that wall in the second round. I think they went seven in that series. <laughs> But they just couldn't beat an Orlando team that, like, if Kevin Garnett played, they probably would have beat him in five. But it was the same thing. I mean, they got a lot out of that team. They ended up sweeping the Cavaliers in the first round. And then they played the Knicks in that. They fell down 2-0. And that's where the real fireworks started happening. Um, You referred to it earlier in the show about – Yeah, it's one of my biggest takeaways is Scottie Pippen is – like, this documentary is making Scottie Pippen look – Worse than what Michael Jordan was. Everybody's like, oh, it's going to make Michael Jordan look like a bad guy. Like, I think it's made Scottie Pippen look even worse. And I kind of get, like, as a competitor, like, I get where Scottie's coming from because all those years you had Michael there and last play is always drawn up for him. He's getting all the glory. He's making the shots. And and then now this is your opportunity. 
Um, and then coach, uh, you know, Phil Jackson is, is drawing up a play for Kukoc, which if you look at, if you watch the documentary, the play that he drew up worked three or four times that year in the regular season, it worked multiple times. So why not go back to it? It's just a great coach move by Phil Jackson and not letting egos get in the way and him saying, Hey, Scotty's my star player. Let me get him the rock. Tony's a better shooter. Thanks. See through it. Number one. Okay, here we go. See through it. One says Tony was the better shooter. He was. He was the better peer shooter at that time, and he was taller, and he could get a shot off against the guy that was guarding him. Um, so as soon as he caught it, I think he was on the left elbow, he caught it, turned around, and shot it, and he made it. Um, so great play by Phil Jackson. No matter what Scotty thought, it was a great play drawn up by him. But Scotty wasn't one of those guys either that could just catch a ball and just go up with a great shot like that off the dribble. No, not and at if all. We, and if we refer back to what we were just talking about, like why that triangle worked so well that season, it was because they made five or six passes and the ball never touched the ground. So this whole idea that he needed to get the ball and be able to take that last second shot, it really doesn't really make much sense to me. It doesn't resonate well. And... And, and even worse, he put some scrub in. I don't even know who they called off the bench after he refused to go in. And Kukoc drains the shot. And, and next thing you know, they're in the locker room. They're all crying, you know. And, and it's because you just can't do that. Like, at the end of the day, like, if you're going to be the guy, like, you got to be able to make sacrifices and understand your lane. But that goes back to my point later or that I made early on. Like, Scotty still had that the team doesn't really respect me that way. And not to mention he has the whole thing with Kukoc making more money. And I think that played in a bigger role into his head that, wow, like the moment just came up and Phil's now. He's probably thinking like everybody's against me now. I want to shoot. Phil doesn't want me taking the last shot. And, and they said it like Michael, Michael immediately said he called Phil and he goes, Scotty's never going to be able to live that down. No, he, I mean, he He knew he fucked up right away. He knew he messed up. You know, and it didn't it didn't really matter that they rallied in that series like that was like, just like any story that goes on in that moment. Like we saw it go to seven and we didn't, we knew that the, the, the locker room somewhat came back together after that. But the media wasn't letting that go. That was still the biggest story that was going on. They lose in seven, you know, and they move on to the next season. And before Jordan even makes his return, what they were, 33 and 31. So they clearly took a big step back after Huge step that. back. After and they lost guys too. I mean, they lost Horace. You know, Horace was a huge part of that team in '94. Like I said, he made the All Star team. They lost him that year, um, and they needed something. And that, and you know, right as the Bulls were weren't doing that well, is when, like we talked about, Jordan was having those practices and everything. And then, um, two words. I mean, who knew how how much two words could really send shockwaves through the whole world? You know, but he's having an argument with his uh, PR guy, saying, you know, how he wants the facts to be written that he's coming back. And he's like declining everything that the guy's saying or, or writing up for him. And he's like, fine, why don't you just do it then? And all he writes is two words, I'm back. And all of a sudden, every, everything was going crazy. The whole world's going crazy. Everybody's excited. Jordan comes back. Um, and then obviously he comes back in 45. And that was his uh, number in high school. Um, he just said it felt different. So he didn't want to go really back to 23. Um, and it didn't take him that long to get acclimated to things. The seven, second game in, he hits a uh, game winner against the Hawks, and then I believe his fifth game in, he drops the double nickel, the famous double nickel at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks, um, which I didn't know this either, and I don't know if you knew this, Steve, You know, but all you hear about is Jordan uh, dropping the 55 points, and then it actually shows the final play of that game, 
Ewan comes over for the double team, and Jordan goes up for the shot and hits Bill Wennington down low for the game-winning dunk. You know, all those times before, you saw those situations. Jordan was going to live or die by the game-winning shot. They were either going to win because of him or lose because of him, but he actually, in that uh, instance, made the right basketball play and found the uh, game-winning, uh, you know, Bill Wennington for the game-winning layup. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's that was the story, and then they get into the playoffs, and you thought maybe, well, that that would have been to me that would have been their best. Only game seventeen been, games he played, though. And yeah, then, but still, I mean, you would have took a team that only got like what in the forties for that for that win year, and they probably yeah. had to do most of their damage on the. I mean, they had to go to Orlando in the second round. Yeah, but we argued about this. Like, if he doesn't lose the ball in game one to Nick Anderson stripping him from behind up one, I think there was like sixteen seconds on the clock, like. That series probably goes a whole different way after that. So possibly, I mean, I honestly think the Magic were the better team that year. I mean, I don't think Jordan was a hundred percent back. I mean, he dropped fifty five, whatever. But it's way different to get into, like, and you saw his conditioning, like you saw in it, like he wasn't in great shape. I mean, to only play seventeen games, like we talked about, getting ready to play baseball and getting ready to play basketball is two different things. Basketball is constant running; it's a lot of stop and go, you know, up and on the court. Way different conditioning level to play basketball. You only got 17 games under your belt plus a couple of playoffs games. Um, his shooting wasn't that great. Um, they showed right off the bat, off the bat. I mean, the best game he had was after Nick Anderson had to say, "Hey, 45 is not 23," and then he comes out in game two with the 23 on and lights them up for 40 plus, and they win that game. Um, but you even saw at the end of game one after Anderson got that steal, he was just a little unsure of himself when he came down and he threw that pass to Scotty. He had an open shot and he threw this pass to Scotty after Scotty was cutting baseline. I um, mean, the ball was behind him and went out of bounds. So you can see he was 100% and he wasn't the Michael Jordan of old. Uh, and he was still kind of unsure of himself a little bit. So he still had some season to be able to get in some sort of condition shape. I understand what you're saying. 17 I mean, games. No, I understand that. And we were talking about prior to like this documentary coming out when we were expecting sports to come back, how they were going to introduce basketball back out. Were they going to jump right back into the playoffs? Were they going to give these guys like a little bit of a training camp? Were they going to give them some regular season games to get themselves back together? If you're going to make the point right now that we're going to call conditioning on Michael Jordan right now is what the reason why they weren't or he wasn't as good as he was, well, what are, what are they going to do when all these players come back in two months and they immediately jump into the playoffs? Like, are they all just going to suck all of a sudden? I talked to you about this before we came on. It's different. Like, you know, there we go. Look at our guy here. Our number one fan right now, see through it one. He's the only one yeah, watching right now. Yeah, these teams, these not teams are not going to be ready, he says, which I agree. They're not going to be ready, but I think they'll be more Max. ready because it's just different. It's just different because Michael missed 21 months. These guys right now, the NBA is, going, is only going on two missed months. But the time is it's longer. There's definitely making, a difference there. No, 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 no. But you're making it seem like he wasn't being doing anything athletic. I understand he was being a baseball player. He was, but, but he still, wasn't but playing he's still basketball. Working out every day. He's still he was, working out. He, every he day. was working out, but he wasn't playing basketball. He, he even said he wasn't even. He barely even touched the ball to shoot it. It's gonna mess up the way he shoots the ball. You can't just. He's the greatest basketball player ever. I get it, but you take 21 months off. Don't smile. Don't smile. I'm just not giving him a pass for the conditioning. Like, like clearly, I I can see that it hurt him a little bit. It's different. But... You want play? You play baseball. Where you're not running in baseball until you run the bases. It's way different. But it's he's a different still game. Working, but he's still working out. There's still a workout regimen every day. Hey, read it. My guy's on my side. He's he there's still a, there's still a he's on my side every now. day. Shit, 21 months is tough. And and trust me, and and when you get into a playoff series and you're starting to automatically play 42 minutes in a game, like I get that, but. The last thing I need for Michael Jordan to do is start making excuses of why he wasn't ready. But as we saw, what did he do? What did he do after? 
because he knew he knew conditioning was his issue. He knew physically he wasn't ready. His trainer, after they I, lose to the Magic, says, "Hey, they usually take some time off." Time off, and he says, "Hey, let me know. Just give me a call when you want to uh, get going." He said, "All right, I'll call you tomorrow." This dude started joining. I tweeted this out today too. I said, "You know, he takes a loss and." He gets right back to work the next day because he wants to be the best. His competitive level is so high. His competition level is so high. Nowadays, when you take the loss, you call your boys in the summer and you go on your banana boat trips. Like that's, that's happening what in the league did. now. He no, that's not what he did. He had a dome he built. He had a dome built. Wait a second. He had a dome built during Space Jam, and he had the fellas showing he up. He was constantly working though. He wasn't out on vacation. Oh, get the get out of here, dude. Like, listen. We're going to go back to the argument with when we see playoffs later this year, like, and I start seeing players that I know. NBA is coming back. You confident the NBA is coming back? Is that what we're saying? They're going to do something. They have to. They're going to do something. They have to. I mean, they're going to finish the season some way, whether it's like three game series or whatever. They're going to do something. I finally, I, there's no way that they're going to cancel it. So, (laughs) but but all all I'm saying, I agree right there. All I'm saying is at the end of the day, like, he took that motivation and he came back and, and he got it back the next season. So that's fine. Like another chip on his shoulder yep. from Michael Jordan. But so what did he do the next season? Come on, let's get into it. Cause we are, we getting into Henry. The, are we getting into the space jam thing first or, or yeah, we we'll talk right space into, jam. We we'll, talk, right no, we'll talk space jam first. We'll talk space jam first. And then we'll get into the next season. Cause it leads all into that. Okay. So, so he becomes a loser. He loses, he gets sad. And then he gets a movie deal with Warner brothers, you know, course. which I, which I thought was pretty cool. Obviously, Space Jam is a goat movie. Well, greatest movie of all, one of the greatest basketball movies of all time. I think we all threw up a little bit in our mouths when when LeBron said he's going to, you know, follow in his footsteps and you know and of course and LeBron's that, doing Space you know? This year, love looks a little different. We're still gathering. We're just doing it virtually. And we're still connecting. We're just doing it safely. So whether it's lighting candles over FaceTime, family dinner through Zoom or opening gifts virtually. Traditions can keep us close, even when we can't be together. Stay safe, stay connected, think big, and plan small this holiday season. Let's save lives, Columbus. We get it. Staying home ain't it. Especially around the holidays. But this year, staying home means saving lives. So we're changing it up by gathering less and planning small. Our people are counting on us to make the right choice. Think big, plan small. Let's stop the spread, Columbus. Jim too. Because but that's not LeBron, like, like to me, that's not LeBron's fault though. Like if, if the movie company comes to you and says, hey man, we're thinking about making Space Jam 2, do you want to be in it? I mean, is he going to say no? Yeah, no. because yeah, no. just, yeah, because it's just another thing he's in the shadow of. He's always going to be in the shadow, dude. He's not as good as MJ. Is Space Jam Two going to be better than the original Space Jam? All I did all weekend was go back and forth on Twitter with a bunch of fucking clowns on how fucking Jordan is not as good as, as LeBron. We're not we're not talking about the the the, the basketball. No, I don't. Right now. We're talking about the actor right now. I don't think they asked. I don't think they asked Kobe to be in. I'm assuming he's asking for Space Jam Two. I don't think they asked Kobe Bryant. Um, I, I think because LeBron was, I mean, at this time in this era, he's the best player right now. So that's probably why, you know, they just, I think they went straight with LeBron. 
But that was pretty cool, though. I mean, because you're assuming that not only were they getting the players that were actually in the movie uh, to play in that that dome that they set up, but they were actually getting imported NBA talent to come in and play in those games. So, I mean, he was getting his reps in, which I thought was – I never knew anything about that. I never knew they actually gave him his own facility to be able to train. Dude, he demanded I, it. He demanded it. Oh, you know why he demanded it? Because he knew he had to get ready for the following season, like we talked about. Yeah, and what happened? They became that became one of the best. They, that was the best regular season in NBA history at, up until the last exactly. uh, the Warriors team, correct? Yes, but what's the motto? What do you mean? What's the motto? They don't get a ring, right? It doesn't mean a thing unless you get a ring. Oh, true. Right. Oh, are so, you trying? To, are you trying to discredit uh, the Warriors season right now? I mean, a little bit. I mean, they were up three three one on the Cavs, and the Cavs came back. I mean, put a notch on LeBron's belt for that. I agree that was one of the greatest finals ever. Thank you, Kyrie. But, like, if you go 73-9, and nine, it's one you won one more game than the Bulls, and the Bulls had a chance. So the Bulls go 72-10 and 10 that year. And going into uh, game four of the NBA finals, um, they were 14-1 and one in the finals. If they swept the, if they swept, uh, the Sonics, they would have went that final, that playoff series going 15-1. and one. That's unbelievable. That's an you unbelievable that, record. You mean in that postseason? Yeah, in that postseason, if they swept the Sun, uh, the uh, Sonics. I'm sorry, if they swept the Sonics, they would have went 15 and one in that run in the, in the playoffs. Do you think that they? Dude, that 73 are? and nine. If I'm mistaken, that 73 and nine season, the Warriors almost lost to the Rockets in Game Seven, didn't they? Uh, the Western Conference Final had Chris no, Paul not got hurt. I mean, they, I mean, they Chris Paul got seven. hurt. I mean, that could have been a different story. Right, so that team, in my eyes, wasn't as dominant as that Bulls team. I mean, I guess not. I mean, we're talking about different eras of basketball at that time, so I mean, it's hard to really think that like we can compare apples to oranges. But in terms of that team, I mean, we looked at the 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 talent in the Eastern Conference that year. They should have went as far as they should have went in the Western Conference. Do you think that they wanted the Houston Rockets to be there? Do you think Michael wanted the Houston Rockets to be there? Yeah, oh, of course. I mean, they but didn't the really Sonics, talk, they, they didn't really talk about a team that much. Sure, they didn't talk about the Rockets, and that's kind of that's kind of crazy because they didn't talk about the Rockets at all in the documentary. Then the only other team to win a championship, um, you know, during that span, the ninety four ninety five season, and the two years that he had off, well, the year and a half that he had off, um, and they didn't say anything about the Rockets. So I'm sure the Rockets feel kind of slighted for that, um, but I think Jordan deeply wanted to see them in the finals. Um, because he could have just it could have been like, hey man, see if I was here, we would have if we made it to the finals, we would have beat the Rockets. So they played the Sonics, um, who were actually a a, fifth, a high fifty win teams, or were they in the 60s? 60, 60, 63. Okay. All right, so they had so they had a good. They run. were one they of the like a- from like ninety three to like ninety eight. They were like one of the winningest teams in the Western Conference. But I think the most important stat was that they didn't talk about was their home record that year. They only lost three games at home, and they also beat the Bulls in Seattle that year. They did, yep. So, it, so we get into the series. Bulls, Bulls end up going up three zero, and we can we can blame it on George Carl not saying George Carl man should have said hi. Well, that's such a said hi to that's Michael, such, right? Like yeah, that's, that's such to a Michael going, That's such right? a crazy move though, because like you're boys with Michael. Like you have North Carolina ties. Him, Dean Smith, George Carl, they all go out to dinner. And you yeah. can't even say what's up to the guy? Like, that's going to piss somebody off. Dude, you mean you be- me and you were best friends. If you saw me out and you just walked by me, if we were competing against something and you just walked by me and didn't say nothing, I'd be like, what the hell is this dude's problem? I'm trying to compete for a championship. I'm letting you know that we're not friends right now. Like, I don't You mean business? Right now? 
What? Like, well, why? I don't have anything nice to say to you. Hey, Mike, good, uh, luck, good luck in the series. Dude. Hey, take like, it easy you know, on us, Michael. I hope you play well against us. You know, <laughs> I'm coming for your triangle. I got Gary Payton coming for you. Like the you know, glove. You know, more like but, the mitten. But yeah. Ooh. Well, we'll see. According to Gary Payton, though, Gary Payton be, if Gary Payton ended up being uh, the defender on him the whole series, they might have won that series. So that's I mean. not that's you saw. I mean, it's going to be the next. We had Jordan. We had the crying meme. The Jordan crying meme. The next best Jordan meme is going to be him holding that iPad, laughing. It was all over Twitter last night, all over the internet. That's going to be the next great, great. He didn't. Uh, meme. He didn't. He laughed at him, but he didn't insult him. He did not insult me too, man. I miss nineties basketball as well. He's like, that's Gary. That's the glove. I mean, that's the glove. I had other things on my mind, um, but you know, but bygones are bygones. I mean, the two games that he faced him. I mean, he did shut him down for the most part. I mean, Jordan didn't have a good series at all. I mean, never mind those two games. He didn't play well that whole series. He still got. He still got Finals MVP. I know, but he still didn't play well to his standards. Or to his standards. Okay. Exactly. Like that. He didn't play okay. well. He only averaged so like 21, did, 22 a game or something like that. I mean, the dude has a highest playoff scoring average. He averages over 30 a game for his career in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, for Jordan's first uh, few seasons in the league when he was in the playoffs, he averaged over 40 in the playoffs nine times. That's actually the first finals that I can recollect watching as a young person. As a and youngster? Order, and, I, and I actually was a huge Detlef Shrimp fan. Detlef, dude. And they didn't give Detlef any love last night. Dude, it was no. all showing Sam Perkins was on Sam Perkins was on that team. That was a good team. Yeah, that was a good team. Yeah. I like the sign that the guy had up in the stands legalized Kemp. That's a weed joke. I mean, you don't I mean, I'm just yeah. saying you, you don't know that. I get I mean, it. I get it. I mean it's way over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't know if you picked that up, but I thought that was a pretty good, a pretty good sign for that. that I didn't time see the sign, so yeah, good thing, good, good job uh, coming up with that. So obviously, it goes into that, and then um, one of the other biggest things they they talked about was um, his battles uh, in practice. With the, this is the big thing. I think it's one of the bigger things that everybody wanted to see because this was a huge story that everybody actually knew about um, was him punching Steve Kerr. But what we don't know is actually Steve Kerr started that. Steve Kerr um, is the one who was getting sick of Michael's shit and actually hauled off and punched Michael right in the chest. Well, wait, I mean, wait, so, goes, no, wait, so, wait, so wait, Start it like that then. So Steve Kerr didn't start that. Michael was antagonizing him. He gave him a hard him. fall. He gave him a hard fall. Right? That's Michael gave him a hard fall. That's what I said. Michael hey, gave yeah, okay, Kerr a hard fall. But why did he do it? But why did he do it? Why did Michael? Because because Phil was calling ticky tax. Okay, and he, and he so followed them hard. So don't call this. Steve Kerr might have been crying a little bit in that. But yo, you do see him. He was crying. You he think was Steve like, Kerr's gonna start a fight with Michael Jordan? He did. Michael threw him yeah, to the he, ground. That's how he didn't throw him to the ground. He didn't throw him. He it was a hard Mark, ball. It was a hard basketball play. Mark, were you there? Were you if there? You, if you push me from behind, if I'm going up for a layup, there we you, go. There we you, go. Steve started you make, it. You make the initiation to start that fight. I get up. I push you back. We're now in it. And then, pow. That's what yeah. happened. Like, okay, so don't tell but me that. But it's a hard fall. Get up and he get back did into it the on play. Per- he did it on purpose because he was getting sick of the ticky-tack calls, though. 
He didn't just do a hard fall just because he was like, oh, we were playing a tough game at that time. He was like, I had to make a statement to Phil that this is the way that we're going to play, and I'm going to go yeah. after Steve Kerr. Like, but he said it perfectly. He said, why are you protecting this guy? It's not going to help us when we play the tougher teams in the East, like the Knicks and whatnot. Okay, you know, so but after he punches him in the chest, Jordan, you know, the funniest, the funniest part I think was <laughs> obviously Jordan hauls off and hits him in the eye. And then <laughs> after Steve Kerr some rep here. Steve Kerr, yeah. yeah, Steve Kerr started that point. Good for Steve Kerr. <laughs> and, and and they and they don't they don't say like they don't really say what he did. He said he pushed him in the chest, punched him in the chest. He punched him. He punched him. They said he punched him in the chest, and Jordan hit him square in the eye. He had a black eye. So who called and apologized to who then? Who got thrown out of practice? Yeah, so Jordan gets thrown out of practice. Okay. And he even felt like he said, he's like, I felt this big because he went and he hit the smallest guy on the court. He's Which like, crazy because Steve Kerr is like six, what, three? Yeah, Michael's six, six. I mean. He's a hoe. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Let's, we'll talk about that in a second. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes, the funniest thing to me was he had to go up to, the, to, to management because he didn't have Steve Kerr's number. How do you not have your team's number? Like, you I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not shocked by that at all. I mean, I kind of am. With a guy with who always wants to get the best out of his teammates in practice, I don't know if he's calling people and having, like, these uh, unscheduled practices. Like, hey, let's meet at the gym at this time. He had B.J. Armstrong's number. B.J. Armstrong yeah, called him yeah, up. That, you know what yeah, I'm saying? That was, he was a new teammate at that time. Like, Kerr came in when Jordan was retired originally. No, I so, know like, that. He didn't have like any friendship or kinship towards Steve. No, Kerr but like when you started... get back, when you come back, you say, "Hey, man, what's up? My name's Michael. What's your number?" <laughs> so you, so that, oh yeah, you think Michael was that court? <laughs> hey, after what's what your you number? watched in that documentary, Michael Jordan was going, "Hey, my name is Michael. Like, hey, you're Steve. Nice, Steve nice, Kerr. nice to meet you. Get out of here. Yeah, come on. I mean, you gotta have your teammates' boy, numbers. This, this fucking white boy, and you're not telling me, and I'm a white boy, and you're not saying it in that time in time of life that like, yeah, we know you're a white boy. You just stand out there and you just shoot threes, Steve Kerr. Just like Johnny yeah. Paxson. That's what he was. He was the yeah, and then we'll see, we'll see that their relationship came full circle in the next episode. I mean, a little preview in ninety-seven to win the championship. Passes it off to Steve Kerr, game winning shot to win the championship. So everything comes yeah, full that circle. That was the man. second time he got bailed out by a white boy shooting a three pointer. John Paxson. Ninety three against the Suns. But everybody gets bailed out, dude. It's a full it's a team game, right? I mean, well, you just came at LeBron for Kyrie bailing him out. I mean, he bailed him out. Ray Allen bailed him out, too. Well, that's true. I mean, it's not that's true. true. That's I mean, true. LeBron break the three. Bosh got the rebound, kicks it out to Ray Allen. Greatest, one of the greatest shooters of all time. Cash. Who, hit the, who hit the three before that possession, though? LeBron. Okay, so. Let's I'm just saying. Here. I mean, LeBron's I a great you, player, I, dude. I, I'm not, I, I'm not saying LeBron's not do. a great player. This you know you I'm do. a fucking. You know I'm a Jordan guy. Jordan's the best player ever. You're always gonna be. A I had fan. a ton of Michael Jordan posters growing up. Like, like I, we get it. Like, you know, they're different era athletes that they, they do different things. My question to you is though, like, who would you have rather been a teammate of? Who would have I? I'm if I'm playing basketball, I'd if I'm if I'm focused on if I'm a guy who's focused on getting numbers. <laughs> what are you laughing? If I want numbers, I, I want to see how you spin this right now. Go ahead. No, if I if I want numbers, if I want to put up numbers, if I want to put up points, if I want more shots, I'd rather play with LeBron. If I just want to be a piece and I'm purely about winning and I just want to play my role, then I want to play with Michael. Michael's going to so play what, more. So what's your answer? Michael Jordan. So you're a piece. I'm a piece. I'm you just want to be a side piece? I'm, I'm just I'm just a role player. I'm like Robert Ory. 
pop on the coattails and just win like all those championships. If we championships. were in today's NBA, like I bet you more players, if you ask them, would want to play with LeBron more than they would want to play with Jordan. <laughs> right? My man's going to be a side piece too. See, he agrees with me. Yeah. Because like, what would You're you rather have? You're going to be a hoe. No, we're not going to be Say a hoe. Would you... I'm going to be Jordan's hoe. That's and fine. <laughs> and I, like, I would rather be... Dude, Matthew Delavadova. I would. I would rather be Scott Burrell. I would rather be Scott Burrell than Matthew Delavadova. Don't look at be, me like that. You rather be Will Purdue? Yes. You <laughs> than Tristan Thompson? Because I'm getting championships. Would you rather have six championships or three? Championships? I mean, LeBron's gotten to nine championships. So, like this whole idea that like and he's not a champion. Down conference, man. I had this argument. I had this argument with a bunch of people. Man, who did he play? He what did he play to get to the finals? The Celtics passed their prime. Mark, we've gone back in these playoff series with Jordan. They never even they got to two game sevens in his whole fucking career. And one of them because he was that good. Because he was that good. He didn't allow it to no, get to the Eastern game Conference seven. was that bad. No, no, it wasn't. Oh, Jordan was playing at the beginning God, of Jordan's dude. career. Dude, dude, at the beginning of Jordan's career, he was playing Bird, Mikhail, the Pistons, Isaiah and he didn't Thomas. Go anywhere. No kidding. Okay, so that's my point. So let's talk about when he started winning championships. When but he at the beginning, who did he play? He was still playing Patrick Ewan, the Knicks. That Knicks team was really, really good. They Had never the Bulls did anything. Because the Bulls were always there. When the Bulls left, they made it to the finals and lost to the Rockets. Who else were they playing in the Eastern Conference? Who else did they play in the Eastern They had the Pistons. One that year. Was, and they got dominated. Well, three all years. Years, but they beat them one three year. years, and they got by it once. Okay. Right? Okay. They had yeah. to. LeBron, yeah. who LeBron go up against at the beginning? They went. He went up he against the to Pistons. He played the Boston Celtics all those years. What are you talking about? In the beginning of his career, I'm talking about like when he came in like 04, 06, before he made it to his first finals in 07, right? It was the same situation as MJ. He had to play the Pistons to get to the finals his first time. And the Pistons were past their prime as well. You had Billups, Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace. But they didn't. They were three years removed. They were three years removed from a championship. Do you know what I mean? No, they were three years removed from a championship, so they were past their prime. So like, now he's make... beaten. In 07, he beats the Pistons to go to the finals, and they get absolutely fucking destroyed by the Spurs in a sweep. That year. But he played, that he played Orlando. The, that year they beat the Warriors in Golden State. That Warriors team was definitely better than LeBron's team, correct? What do you mean? What are you talking about? The year that LeBron was down 3-1 in that series, and they came back yeah. and they beat Golden State. Like, Golden State was a far better team than them, right? I think yeah, Golden State was better than them. Yeah, I okay, think it's and, I and think what, crazy. And what and who and and what kind of numbers did he have to put up to be able to be competitive in that series? Oh, he was he almost averaged a triple double in that finals. Okay, so uh, Kyrie also averaged that, over thirty that finals too. Let's not forget year that. Year before that, they went six without Kyrie. Who was he playing with in that series? Kevin Love. Put, Kevin Love was hurt. Not that I think it was the year before he was hurt, wasn't he? The first no, time they played no, the Warriors, Kyrie they were hurt. and Kevin Love were hurt. It was him and Matthew Dellavedova, dude, and they took yeah. he took that series six. Yeah, and that was before they had KD though. And then and then okay, but then well, let's go to the year that they played KD and all them boys. Yeah, last if year. If it wasn't for J, if it wasn't for Jr. Smith forgetting how much time two was years on ago. The I'm sorry, not last year. Two years ago. But what if it wasn't when for Jr. Smith like having a fucking brain fight, like they would have won. Series, they would have won one game. game. Instead of getting we don't swept. know that. You don't know that. You don't know if that landscape of that series would have changed a little bit. You're probably right. Golden State would have won. LeBron played in the Eastern Dude, Conference. In the Eastern Conference, LeBron played. LeBron's had to play Greg Popovich twice, right? 
Yeah. That's pretty. That's a pretty tough thing. He's had to run into all those Warriors teams. The, the only one that they probably wouldn't. Did you get bashed, bro? No, that's right. I no. I mean, they would have won I mean, one game, like I said. True, but I'm just saying, like, it's not like they're not playing tough competition once he gets in the finals. So you got a guy. Yeah, once he gets to the finals, guys. Jordan played tough competition too when he was in the finals. Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley was the MVP that year. Um, you had the Sonics team who won 64 games. Which they was one of the top better, in the though. league. Utah twice with Malone and Stockton, two of the greatest players of all time. Like, they weren't. They weren't better than those Bulls teams, though, Mark. Both all of those champion times that they went. Into oh, the, the Bulls finals, were the best Bulls, team, but why were the Bulls were the best team? Favorites. Well, yeah, but why? Favorites? But why? Because of Michael Jordan. Because he was the best player of all time. His team has never been an underdog. I understand Bron's that. Bron's team has been an underdog. Rightfully so. Bron should have been an underdog. While 90s basketball was a lot tougher and a lot there was a lot more uh, aggression in those, I think from the roster standpoints, I think that that they were definitely a lot less deflated than what teams are today. And I'm not an LBJ fan. I'm a fucking <laughs> Celtics fan. It is what it is. And, and I'm not defending LeBron James, but I just wanted to know from a perspective of a basketball player, like you want to be a side piece, you just want to win championships. So you're okay being a Robert Ori. But most people are going to say that, like, I'd rather play with LeBron James because he's going to get us still to the championship. And, and I'll lose. Probably, and I'll still probably be a focal point in that offense. And lose. He's going to get you there and lose. Okay. He's literally quit in playoff games. Would they have gotten there this year again? Like my guy right here is saying, he quit. I was actually at this game in 2010 in game six. He's walking off this court and he's taking his shirt off walking into the tunnel. Like, he quit on his teams. You, Michael Jordan doesn't have a series like the Mavericks when he played the Mavericks in the finals. He doesn't have a series like that. Once he dude, got there, Cavaliers he never allowed teams, it. Those Cavaliers teams were bought, dude. Dude, he played the Mavericks with the with the fucking Heat. No, I know that. But that guy's talking about quitting in Boston. He he. That was against. That was his last game in the Cleveland when he had, what, Zadrunas Elgaskis and Larry Hughes? That team was trash, dude. Yeah, was it, trash. Wasn't any, it wasn't any good. But again, like... I get that, but you don't want to quit. Do. You know, that team wasn't any good. But, like, he was playing teams before the Celtics got there, before the Celtics had their big three that they made. He was beating teams like Gilbert Arenas and Antoine Jameson. He was beating Danny Granger and Jamal Tinsley. Eastern Conference and, 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 I'm not saying Yeah, that, it sucked is what I'm saying. Like, that's why he made it to eight straight, nine straight Do finals. you remember who was in the Western Conference? It was in that time? Yeah. What year? Kobe? It was Kobe. Right? It was Shaq. Shaq. It was... Duncan, yeah. yeah, it was all of those. Well, Shaq teams. was like, on the Heat. At we, that time. we all knew that whoever was Shaq was in, out, with the Heat at that time. We all knew he won a championship in '06. Yeah, but we all knew who was coming out of the Eastern Conference was going to lose every yeah, year. Yeah, you had the Spurs. Obviously, you had the Spurs. Obviously, you had yeah. Phoenix. Steve Nash was winning back-to-back -back MVPs. Like it was just, it was. I mean, we, we all you had to do is watch the fucking All Star games that year, and the Western Conference would win by a bajillion points. It's what it yeah, was. Yeah, the West has always been better. Like we always knew that. Literally, that stopped. The only time that stopped was this year. No, that's fine. Right? But no, I mean the West right. has always been better. I get that. But What's we're talking it? about we're talking about how LeBron got to so many finals in a row. I mean, no. let's face it, the competition wasn't good. He played Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan no, the last few years. Know. Like I that's his big he, Jason it. Tatum and Jalen Brown, 20 years, 19 and 20 year olds took him to game seven. All right. You want to be a side piece, you know, a lot of people want to be ballers. Like, that's fine. Do that. So let's get back to what you were saying. Like Jordan wanted to be a tyrant. 
He started crying because yeah, we know if, because if people, if people, he loves the game of basketball more than life itself. Yeah, because if guys didn't like being called hoes, ballers don't quit. I love it. If, if, if they didn't want to be hoes, you know, and and you know, and they wanted to go home, run home and cry to their mothers because they weren't all in to win it, like that's what Jordan's persona was. Like you know, Jordan actually reminded me of your brother a little bit. Like Bri Bri used to get all wound up. And then you started yeah. seeing the tears run down his face, and you knew you better. When get he got, yeah, you better. You, you knew better back. You knew back, back like, away. Yeah, yeah. Those, those tears were not a sign of weakness. Those tears were like, it's about to go down now. Like I have now activated that sequence against you. Like it's the same thing what I saw last night. Like, don't be mad at the guy because like that's the way his. And it worked was. though. It worked though. Worked. Like all those, all those times. Obviously, the wins speak for themselves. But like even individually, like all those times where he scored, he called the. Uh, Scoparella hope or whatever you know he's going at Scoparella. Scoparella was the nicest dude. He's just smiling, giving it back to Jordan playfully. He's one of the nicest guys. In that clinching game against Charlotte in '98, um, in the '98 semifinals, he had 23 points. He was nine for 11. It was in the quarterfinals, and it was against the fucking Nets who they yeah, who was, they swept. It was the Eastern Conference semifinals. It no, was the, the Nets. Nets, and it was it was a one versus eight matchup where Scoparella went nine for 11. Check the they weren't the ones. Were they the ones who the Bulls were the ones who did '98? No, no, I don't think so. No, they weren't the ones who because they didn't have home court advantage against Charlotte. Well, we're gonna find out. I guess Indiana. Indiana, yeah, they didn't right, have. You're right. You're right. They were two. Yeah. They were two. It was two seven. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But they. I mean, right. the Nets still only won like the Nets only still won 38 games that year. So I mean, they're still they were still trash. Yeah, still trash. The, be- the best thing is the way you know to and kind of just uh you know keep things going on the documentary here of how. Episode eight ended with uh, obviously we're getting into that Eastern Conference Finals series in '98 that went seven games with uh, the Pacers and they had you know Reggie Miller and Chris Mullins, Dale Davis, Antonio Davis, Smiths, Mark Jackson. Team was fucking hell. That was a fucking hell of a team. Had the Bulls not been the Bulls not been there, they would have given the Jazz a run for their money. Don't forget about the head coach, my bird. Larry Bird, like that team Larry was legend. loaded, and it had it definitely there was definitely some yeah. good. I don't think Jalen Rose. I don't, I don't think Jalen Rose was Jalen Rose on that squad. I don't think Jalen Rose was on that squad. I don't think he was there yet. I don't know. We can look that up. We can look that up. See through it. Look that know. up, man. Look that up. See if Jalen Rose was on that squad. I don't, I don't believe he was. I don't believe he was. Anyway, Jalen Rose, hell of a player. Fab Five. Um, but. Reggie says going into that, you know, and that's the famous, you know, game six where Reggie pushes off for Jordan, hits that three, and then does spins up and down like a little girl jumping, you know, because he beat Michael to send into game seven. Um, but Reggie said all the rumors were, hey, we're hearing that the Bulls, this is his last year. I'm going to be the one that sends Michael Jordan into retirement. I'm going to be the one to take him out. And obviously we're going to find out. But just, you know, spoiler alert, Bulls fucking win that series. And they fucking go on to win another championship. The LeBron stands, dude, that don't know what happened back in 98. I know, right? All the LeBron stands out there. That, dude, there's so many people that I've seen that were the big LeBron backers that have jumped complete ship because they've never seen Jordan play. This documentary is completely changing. Yeah. I mean, once again, I mean, we'll, we'll go back to like the whole landscape of it. Uh, I like what they're doing. I knew that they were probably going to, they're, they're going to slow it down. Um, episode nine. I don't know if they'll finish out um, ninety-eight season and episode nine, but we're definitely gonna at least see the first. Yeah, I'm from uh, sure match we're end episode ten with we're the, shot. See the first match. We're gonna see the first matchup with uh, uh, with Utah, and then I, I guess I don't know how they're gonna. They, I guess that's how they're gonna convert. And this right? is another. I'm gonna bring gonna this up Utah. too because we're kind of talking. About, I'm gonna bring this up too because we're talking about, and I wanted to, to say this. And this is, goes back to the LeBron 
you know, LeBron Jordan debate. It's just to, to, to know Michael's greatness. <laughs> like, yeah, I got you. Uh, just to know uh, Michael Jordan's greatness, like uh, epitomized in like 41 seconds. So the final 41 seconds of game six and 98 finals against the Jazz, they're down by three. He's got the ball. He drives the lane through three guys, hits a layup, comes back down on defense, swipes the ball, steals it from Malone, comes back down, little crossover, little pat on the butt to Byron, Byron, uh, Byron Russell, and he hits the game-winning shot. In that last 41 seconds, nobody else on the Chicago Bulls touched the ball. That was just Michael in his greatness doing what he had to do to win the game. No, you know, no, offense, no, no offensive foul? No offensive foul. He slipped. <laughs> He definitely said that. You can even see it's not even that hard. You can even see it's not even – you can nice even shot. see it. But like, but, like, you're talking about, like, making, like, who would you rather play with, like, LeBron or something. You know, if I was playing with LeBron, I'd be standing in the corner, and he'd, you know, instead of taking – he's the greatest player of this generation. Instead of him using his strength to get into the basket for the game with a shot, he's going to kick it out or do something, and he's not going to take – like, I like and, and, and I'd rather have that guy take that game-winning shot. You know what I mean? And then kick it out to Adela Vadova. For a game winner, like come on, like Jordan. I mean, that thing, I'm just saying in in hindsight, like hypothetically speaking, because LeBron's the passer, you're right? That's what that's what you were saying. Would rather play with LeBron because he gives you more shots and everything like that. He's a triple double machine. Yeah, exactly. But when the game's on the line, he has hit game winning shots before. But when the game's on the line, like I said, Michael Jordan in that final 41 seconds, he said, "Get out of the way." He didn't allow anybody to take touch the ball, and he took it in, upon himself and in his own hands to win that game. Yeah, I mean, like I'm I said, a two-way player. Well, it's that's this, you know, that's the mentality, dude. Like when it comes down to it, I mean, you talked about they talked, they made like a little like segment towards uh, what is that that Washington Wizards player, LeBradford uh, Smith or something like that, um, whoever that was. Like I don't even know, but yeah, it was LeBradford Smith. Dude, yeah, that was like, like tell me that's not a great heard of. Tell me that's not a great fucking story though, right? They, they had a back to they had a, a home and away against them. Kid has the game of his life. Just says, "Hey, good game, Mike." Doesn't say anything like ridiculous. Yeah, but then it came. And Michael made that up. That wasn't even true. Oh, that wasn't even true. No, he said Michael just made that up to get in his own head that he needed to get fired up. Like, how crazy is that? I mean, he's like, and then he tells his guys, "He's like, I'm gonna have as many in the first half as LeBron Smith had in the whole game." And of course, he has 34 at the half and just absolutely kills this dude. They're playing on a back-to-back. Yeah, so so quick home and home series. So basically, if if you were a competitor of Michael Jordan back in the day, you should have just did like what those Olympians did from whatever that team was. Like you played them, and then you were like, "Can I get your jersey? Can I get your yeah, shoes? Yeah. Can I?" Well, get there's it? nothing you could do because even if you didn't say shit, you didn't trash talk him. He would find ways just to get himself fired up, so he would come at you with this di- just a different intensity than anybody and, else had. And and he really is an asshole because like we'll go back to the Scott yeah, Burrell thing. Yeah, I agree. He is. We'll go back to the Scott Burrell thing. Scott Burrell brings him into the locker room to meet uh, some former people that he used to play basketball with in you UConn. Were, they, they one, of, one of the guys in a wheelchair, like you know, <laughs> is that I'm gonna charge you a thousand dollars for this? Yeah, you know, yeah. He's yeah, exactly. The guy just wants some autographs. He's he's basically telling him to his face. He's like, oh well, he's I know. Busting his balls. He's busting his balls. Then he brings up the UConn women's basketball team in their face. Yeah, dude. but he gave it back to him. He's like, yeah, you know, North Carolina's got a good women's team too. <laughs> but that's like what I'm saying. Like even even in that kind of setting, like he still wouldn't give anybody credit. And be like, yeah, like you guys came from a, a women's basketball school. Like that's yeah. Nobody nobody cared about men's basketball with you. Yeah, like, you're right. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, like, and, and I, get nasty. <laughs> I get it now. Like, Michael can say, like, I, I'm afraid that people are 
we're not going to like me or like the person that I was. But, dude, like, we get who you are. We get why you got to be who you are. I completely know that you have to drive people into the ground to be able to get out what you want. No one was ever going to step to you and tell you to stop. So you always had full control of what you were doing. And and clearly those players after a while started realizing being like, he's just pushing us to become better players. It's just the fact of, can I handle it? If I can handle it. And I think I'll go back to the Kobe interview. Kobe said it best is like the thing about me and Mike was like, you'd go out there and you would start trash talking people and you could see just some things that I could say that could really get under their skin. But then there would be certain individuals that like you could say everything in the book, you could put your shoulders into them, you could run them into the ground and there's nothing you could do about it. And the first person I thought about was, um, it was the series where the Lakers got taken to seven games against the, uh, the OKC Thunder back in the days where it was Russell, KD, James Harden their first year. And they won, and he came back after that series, and he immediately said, like, Russell Westbrook, that's a bad dude. Like, you know. Like, he knew. You're not going to be able to say shit to that guy and be able to get under his skin. Like, he's got that idea. He's got that Mamba mentality. Like, he's, the, he's a killer. Like that's basically what it was, and Jordan wanted all his guys to be killers. They weren't yep. all going to be killers, but you know, no. you can't just create like you can't just make somebody a killer. Like either they have it or they don't. Like you see all these players back then and even today, like they play a certain way, and that's not going to change. Like you know, we're talking about our, our favorite team, the Celtics. Marcus Smart, the dude is a dog. Like he's the intensity that he plays with isn't going to be the same way. Maybe that Kemba Walker plays with. Do you know what I'm saying? So you no matter how you much you, yeah. he's gonna be a friend to you on your team, but he's not gonna be a friend to you like when you're an opposing team. Exactly, he doesn't care about you. So, no. yeah, I, that's all I want for more out of my players. Like get off social media and really start digging in and like going after people again. You yeah, know, so for sure. All right, but, man, you ready to wrap this up? Yeah, that was great. That, uh, like I said, like the seven, I think eight, we just seven, eight. Two best episodes like, so far, right? I mean, we keep saying that every week. Like that's like, true. You know, and and then nine and ten is going to be better than just these two episodes. And word on the street, there might be a episode eleven. Wait, what? There might Yo, be an episode coming at you right now. I'm coming. There might be Steve. an. Ep- That's fine. Come for me, dude. Whatever, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Thanks, man. Oh, uh, hey, man. Hey, he's tuned in. My man here tuned in for the whole show, man. We got to show him love, right? Absolutely. He was engaging with us, man. That's awesome. We love that. For everybody who tuned in, everybody that was watching, really appreciate it. Um, you can see on the bottom, make sure you guys go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at hoop dreams underscore MB, uh, and Steve, um, he's at S Lewis five, six, five, six, um, everything with the show, uh, we'll be going live again uh, for future episodes and everything will be posted on those accounts. So, um, thanks for tuning in guys. And, and we'll be back and we'll, we'll talk to you again soon in another episode of hoop dreams. Ciao.
Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This year, love looks a little different. We're still gathering. We're just doing it virtually. And we're still connecting. We're just doing it safely. So whether it's lighting candles over FaceTime, family dinner through Zoom, or opening gifts virtually, traditions can keep us close, even when we can't be together. Stay safe. Stay connected. Think big and plan small this holiday season. Let's save lives, Columbus.